In this week's episode of Studio Inter, we'll be interviewing Dov Schiavoni from Forza Italian Football. We'll be analyzing all aspects of the Christian Eriksen signing, previewing the Udinese game, this week's Moratti, Frog and Moji, and much, much more. Everything here on Studio Inter, only on sempreinter.com. Benvenuti, bentornati to another edition of Studio Inter. I'm your host, Nima Tavalli Ruzzari, wishing you to a very happy week despite the draw. Um, it's mostly down to a, a certain gentleman from Denmark, but we will get into all of that. But first, let me introduce my panelist. He is the preview writer, uh, the excellent preview writer at Semperinter.com, Mr. Mohamed Massa. Maybe, uh, thank you for the kind words, maybe excellent preview writer, but terrible predictor of uh, match results, but uh, <laughs> guys, very happy yeah. to be here tonight. Yes, we're very happy as well. And we are also joined by what the Miami News Times called the best AM radio show of 2018. He calls himself a voiceover artist. He's on Five Reasons Sports and 560 WQAM in Miami, Mr. Alex Dono. Hey, I'm not uh, quite as bad of a predictor as Mo, but not very good myself. But it's great <laughs> to be back, guys, after a few draws on the pitch and a nice W in the transfer market. Without a shadow of a doubt, and we will be discussing that. But before we get into all of that, we are joined by the editor-in-chief editor of Marcia in English, Marcia in English, and also Forza Italian Football, uh, Unclear Role, Mr. David Schiavone. How are you, David? Live from San Siro, I might add. <laughs> I am live from San Siro. Ciao, hey guys. I hope you're well. I hope this is a bit upbeat given the, the transfer, despite the bad result of the weekend. Oh, it sure is. It sure is. Um, you're there to watch uh, Milan against Torino. Uh, tomorrow it's Inter against Fiorentina. And I'll be back as well, Nima, as well. I'm just, yeah. I should get a tent. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's the Fiorentina game tomorrow, isn't it? It is, yeah. Mm. Well, right, right. Let's get right into it. Uh, I mean, you and I, we, 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 we do. I've been on your pod, and we speak quite a bit uh, on WhatsApp and whatnot. So, I'm, I'm kind of curious to hear what where you stand uh, because we haven't spoken about this yet. Uh, do you, do you think that Conte, uh, this Inter under Conte, has overperformed? Uh, do you think they've underperformed, or do you think that, or, or where do you, where do you rank them so far? I think it's just right, isn't it? It's um, it's not too hot, it's not too cold, it's just right. I think, um, from where from, from where Conte's taken into from from where you were last season, I think he's done a brilliant job. I, I, to be honest, I don't think he could really have done much more than what he has done. He's, he's have had a great first half of the season, and some of the performances have been absolutely brilliant. And there's only been maybe one or two, it's more so recently, where you kind of haven't been um, on the same level as you were, say. Two or three months ago so I don't think it's done too badly at all and obviously with the uh, recruits that have come in in January I think that's almost exactly what Conte needs to keep that push going for the rest of the season That's a good That's a good point I'm going to hand you over to Mo Mo you got a question for Dom? I, I wanted to ask you uh, quickly I mean we're still uh, it's still uh, fresh uh, hot off the press Christian Eriksen who do you uh, who do you think uh, benefits more out of this transfer in terms of reputation? Does Inter directly trans benefit from the reputation of signing such an informed, young or a peak a peak of his career sort of player, or does the league as a whole uh, benefit uh, as much equally uh, or possibly even more from the, uh, bringing in uh, a top top talent like that? I, I think I think Inter benefit. Um, obviously, most of all, it kind of also shines a positive light on the league that I like to say a player in his peak is choosing to come to, to Inter. And I'm sure he had, well, I know that he did have the opportunity to go to Real Madrid as well, but um, Inter wanted him more. Um, and I think that um, attitude from um, Morata, Conte, and the hierarchy Inter to get him here um, had something to do with his decision to come here. And I think it's a big coup because obviously. Um, Inter are a massive club, regardless of what some people in England may think. Um, and it's kind of the next stepping stone because 
now Inter seem to be heading in the right direction. I know we've spoken about it, or you guys have spoken about it in the past, how um, the kind of the club's reorganised itself, and you're you're you kind of keep going uh, another step forward and another step forward, and getting in a top top quality player like Ericsson, potentially world class at the peak of his powers, is for me a great statement that Inter have made um, especially since they just decided to pay the money in January because they could have took it easy and uh, just signed up for free in the summer but they paid taught them the 20 million euros that they wanted and to get them now um, to help them uh, with a skedetto push so I think it's, it's to be fair I think everybody benefits I think it's, it's great for the league great for Inter and I think it's great for him as well for sure um, Alex did you have a question for Dob? I do. Now, um, on the one hand, there's going to be plenty of opportunity for rotation in three competitions, but assuming all four are healthy and fit before any given match between Brozovic, Eriksson, Sensi, and Barella, who would you say would be the odd man out if you're selecting a three-man midfield? See, that's a tough one, Alex, because I've had this conversation with a few people because I was like, where, where is Eriksson going to fit into this midfield? Because for me, he's, the the Probably the most natural one for him to replace would be Sensi because I think you'd want Ericsson to get closer to the strikers. Barella is a bit more um, defensive-minded for me than Sensi is, and obviously Brozovic is um, the kind of the linchpin of that midfield. So, uh, and, and the way he's performed this season as well, you would want to drop him. So I think Sensi is probably the one that's um, most at risk. But I think, given the way Conte plays um, and that intensity that he wants his players to play, I think there'll be opportunities for all four of them to rotate. You'll probably get a few combinations. Um, I've heard people suggest that he could even play um, in front of the defence, kind of in the, the so-called peer low role, if you like. Um, he's got the ability to do that. So I think that there's a few places he can play and I can see a few positions. But for me, I think Sensi would be the one I would switch out. That's, uh, that's That seems to be the general consensus in Italy. Um, but before we let you go, I know it's getting closer to kickoff. I just, I'd like you to predict the very competition that you're going to watch tonight. Who's going to win it? The Coppa Italia. Oh, the Coppa Italia. Uh, I think... If Inter obviously want to win a trophy, because I think if you don't win something this season, it'll be, it could come across as a bit of a failure. So I think mm. um, that'll probably be Ulox. I think Juve, Juve are obviously the favourites but I think they're going to be concentrating on the Champions League um, so for me I think just just to get that trophy it'll be Inter no, I'm not just saying that because I'm on an Inter podcast <laughs> <laughs> alright um, well um, what about uh, who's going to win the Serie A and also which teams will get to the Champions League and also who will get to the Europa League the five, the 5th and 6th um, oh, the Europa League's, uh, Europa League's are tough and there are a few good teams there but Inter are among the favourites again um, that, that I think that for Inter that depends how seriously Conte takes takes the competition. Again, it's that it might come down if, if there's no Coppa Italia, for example, the Scudetto's possibly reached them. The Europa League would come into play if you're still in it. Scudetto, I can't see past Juve, unfortunately, guys. I just think that Inter will probably slip up a few more times. And apart from the, the match against Napoli, for me, Juventus have improved a lot since this, the, the winter break, and. Like, I, obviously, I go, I actually go, go there quite a lot as well. And you can see Sarri's imprint on the team slowly coming. Um, Napoli result was standing. So I, I think over the next, over the second half of the season, I think uh, Juventus will um, do what Juventus do, which is lovely for all of us. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> no, but who do you think will finish second to fourth and who will finish fifth and sixth? Yes. Uh, see. This, uh, second Inter or Lazio I've got a sneaky feeling Lazio um, could have a wee bit of a Scudetto challenge in them obviously they're there right now and uh, they've got nothing else to play for so I can see them putting a good or keeping their good run going and being up there with Inter and Juve and then fourth spot uh, I think it'll be Roma uh, I think Atalanta's uh, because Atalanta are still in the Champions League then it's going to be tough for them to kind of manage that plus Serie A and um, I think Fonseca's done a really good job at Roma he's kind of got a bit under the radar given how well Lazio are doing and um, Conte's impact at Inter that he's kind of went in there and done a pretty good job uh, given the, the, the state that they were in so 
top four will be will be Juve at the top, and then Lazio and Inter, uh, and then Roma getting the last one. With I think Atalanta will get uh, Europa League, and I've got a sneaky feeling that um, Milan could do something, uh, which would be unbelievable if they managed to get European football given the season that they've had. Absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more. Um, right. Um, so, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, buona partita, buon lavoro. And we'll talk to you soon. Perfect. Thank you, guys. Have fun. Talk soon. Ciao. Right. Thanks a lot, Dov. I would like to thank Dov there. And uh, at Dov Schiavone on Twitter, if you want to follow him. Um, he, uh, he, he runs uh, Forza Italian Football. And he also runs Marza in English. And he used to run the Gazetta, the English version of Gazetta dello Sport, which is no longer, uh, which has been discontinued for quite a while, for quite some time now. Um, right. Well, let's let's go to the Ericsson. Let's talk about the statement of intent and what it means. Um, I'm going to hand over the floor to you, Mo, because I think you've got a lot to say and you don't need a question for me to say it. <laughs> no, I, I think, um, you know, uh, like you rightly said before we went on air, uh, this is a serious case of BDE, you know. Uh, I'm very, uh, very happy that, uh, <laughs> that uh, Don, uh, Don Marotta is swinging his big bat, you know, uh, uh, like Eddie Murphy's uh, impression of... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the the Caribbean vacation uh, in delirious if uh, anyone that can get the reference but uh, no I, I, I look I, I think what's a beautiful uh, girl uh, like you doing here all alone <laughs> hey. oh, man. I'm gonna watch that because of you tonight <laughs> me too <laughs> oh brilliant so, so I, I think uh, more than more than the actual impact on on the field which which could be you know Schneider-esque uh, from Ericsson, um, but even more on top of that, it's it's that uh, uh, first of all the, the, the intent, the fact that we are able to get a top top talent uh, that is wanted by other clubs, uh, pull him away from those other clubs and attract him to enter to the Serie, is uh, fantastic for for the project, and uh, I think also the timing. You know, right now uh, the team. I mean, we all do. We're all in dire need of a pick me up. Um, uh, the squad needs an injection of, uh, of you know, proper proper positivity. Uh, you know, with all due respect to Big uh, um, but uh, bringing in Ericsson at this point in time is, I think, just probably just what the doctor ordered. So, um, I, I, I can't, you know, I, I'm not going to talk about uh, what we expect of him because you know everyone knows what uh, Ericsson's about and exactly where uh, Conte will want to deploy him. Uh, so, so yeah, no, I, I think it's, I, I, can't, I couldn't be happier. I couldn't be happier. This week went from absolutely atrocious, uh, or, or the weekend went from absolutely atrocious to very good to absolutely fantastic now. So uh, couldn't be happier. Mm. That's the thing for me, though. Um, I'm glad you brought that up because for me, it's, it's such an important thing because January ended because Inter always has January depressions. And so they did this time as well. It's no secret, three draws and whatnot. But it was a better way, but it was a better depression, if you will, in quotation marks than it was before. And Inter kind of come out of it going into Fiorentina by galvanizing the club, by bringing in one of the most sought-after players in Europe. I mean, let's not talk, let's not forget who was after this guy. It was PSG, it was Real Madrid. There was, you know, the, there's an absolutely hilarious uh, montage going on Twitter of uh, Monblano, the Juve, the, the guy who covers Juventus, who, who, um, who, who uh, broke the Cristiano Ronaldo news, where he's talking to a Danish, um, Danish journalist who, for, from last summer, about how much about about Juventus' chances of signing Christian Eriksen, um, you know these are all the clubs that were in there, and Inter got him. Full stop. You know, Inter just got him right under everyone's noses, and 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 that is that is, and they do it at a at a time. I mean, they already had an agreement with him for June, and and a contract signed for June from the fifteenth of January. What the management decided, what Suning decided, was to go all in. Now they sold uh, Politano, they sold Gabigol. And they brought in Christian Eriksen. Um, and there's talk of now Olivier Giroud coming in as well, as well as Victor Moses, who's on a loan, and Ashley Young, who came in very young. This is this is a way, this Eriksen signing is, is really is the 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 you know the cream, the, the, the cherry on the on the top here. You know, it's 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 the icing on the cake. Um, and it really galvanizes the club and they come out of a difficult period. I mean, no one's talking about that. Everyone's positive. 
Uh, and that is that that has a lot of ripple effects, which I think shouldn't be underestimated. Uh, Alex, floor is yours. Yep. Let me know your thoughts. Yeah, well, w one thing, Nima, that I, I wanted to touch on is how much this not only benefits Inter, uh, but it also benefits Christian Eriksen himself because uh, he really wanted out of Tottenham. And I, I just thought it was starting to become a little toxic and, and very obvious this guy needed a change of scenery. And I think that... It, it came down to that being why he was very happy to join in the middle of the season and, and not even wait until June to join the club. And, you know, one of my closer friends is a big Tottenham fan, and he's very salty and sour about Erickson. He desperately wanted him out of his club, and he's you know basically trying to taunt me, saying, be careful what you wish for. This guy is selfish. Good luck to you. But honestly, I mean, how many times, guys, have we seen before that sometimes it's just about changing scenery and changing situation? And... You know, I, I kind of look a little bit at the Icardi situation with Inter. I certainly didn't, you know, tell any PSG supporter, oh, this guy is just going to, you know, tear your club apart from inside out because I think sometimes uh, change of scenery is important when, you know, you've ended a cycle. I mean, Erickson had been with Tottenham since 2013. That's a really, really long time uh, for a player of his caliber to stay with one club throughout his prime, and he had wanted out of there for more than a year so. Uh, I'm really, really curious to see what sort of energy he comes out of the gate with, because I think this guy, with the way he was you know, treated by a lot of the fans of, of the club that he used to play for, a lot of negativity, a lot of negative energy swirling around, and I, I think this is a, a huge weight lifted off his shoulders, because the next time you see this guy take the pitch for a home match, instead of people booing him, they're going to be singing his name at the Meazza, so... Uh, I, I think it's going to be wonderful to see the way Erickson is received the first time he comes on, probably as a substitute before he gets his first start. And, you know, I, I think he's really going to come out there with a lot of energy and a big chip on his shoulder. I hope so. Um, well, we're, we're all in agreement here what it means kind of uh, in terms of intent and marketing and all and what have you. But what about if, if we talk about this from a tactical point of view? Because, I mean, I don't see an issue here because given how Conte drives his players and really like exhausts them you need to have at least two players on in every position to be able to play this guy's football so i'm not worried about that the, i'm absolutely not worried about the rotation i think players will need to be rested and they will you know everyone will be so i don't think this is an issue as such but christian erickson is a trequartista he's a number 10 role and I'd, I wonder if, if, um, if we're, you know, I'm, I'm speculating here and I'm wondering here because we haven't heard anything about the Lautaro uh, negotiations and the new contract in quite a while. And if Inter are putting a little bit of water on that and, and you don't hear it, you hear a Barcelona being waiting there on the sidelines in the summer to activate that clause for 120 million euros. You know, Inter have been wanting to sign Sandro Tonali and half of Europe has been as well. The, is it really impossible that we're moving towards a 3-5-1-1, given how, with Ericsson as the number 10 role, and given how previously in the past Antonio Conte has played in his midfielder's goal a heck of a lot of goals, uh, both at Chelsea and at Juventus? Is that the direction we're heading towards? And what do you feel about that, Mo? I think, um, I, I mean, you know, um, I, it, <clears throat> I have to say it hadn't crossed my mind that uh, I, I, for me, what Lautaro has done so far this season is uh, proven that he's the next crown jewel in, uh, in the Inter uh, cabinet. So uh, I, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe. Uh, but I, I just think that uh, so much of uh, Lukaku's good form has been down to the partnership fostered between him and Lautaro. Uh, I don't know if it's uh, worth, uh, you know, um, possibly disbanding that duo um, to bring in Tonali. I hadn't crossed my mm. mind, I have to say. Mm. I hadn't crossed my mind. But mm. uh, if, if it were up to me, I reckon that I would, I would, rather, I would much rather keep uh, Lautaro Lukaku intact, play Ericsson in a trequartista role with Barella and Brozovic, and rotate Sensi in and out uh, in one of these three places because we know that he's clearly uh, his fitness is clearly a, an issue, and he's going to be in and out of the squad, uh, uh, and we can't rely on him as, as the the fulcrum of that midfield. So th this for me is what what I had imagined the the module looking like. It was Brozovic, Barella, and uh, Eriksson. 
and uh, Victor Moses uh, and Ashley Young giving both uh, defensive solidity in a less physical midfield, much more defensively solid than Kandreva and, you know, bless his heart, Biragi. <laughs> uh, so so it, overall, the, the team is much more balanced as a, as a complete uh, 3-5-2 unit when I look at it this way, with Moses and... Uh, Moses and Ashley Young and Brozovic, Barella and Eriksson with the two uh, Lula up front and the defensive trio in the back. To me, that seems like a complete comprehensive module. Now, talking about bringing in Tonali and 3-5-1-1, I don't know. I don't know how, how Lukaku is going to play. Lukaku's best, best play has been with a, with a second striker next to him, uh, wherever he's played. So maybe, maybe. We'll see. But... Uh, I don't know if we're, if we're in a position now to bring in Tonali as well. Like, who would we upgrade for? Uh, upgrade, upgrade for Brozovic? Uh, maybe, you know, I don't know. Alex, what are your thoughts? Because you know, I'm Anima, thinking... Yeah, sorry, go, go. Well, no, I've given what you said a lot of thought uh, from the Lotaro angle because just the reality is if, if Barcelona is dead set on signing him and if he... You know, if he uh, if he is dead set on joining Barcelona, there's really nothing Inter can do to stand in their way. Uh, that's the bad news. The good news would be uh, they would make a, a massive profit, a massive plus Valenza off of you know selling him there. Whether it's the release clause or even a little bit higher than that, if they're able to raise the release clause, if they are managed to come to an extension. So, um, I, I have given some thought to that scenario of. Uh, of Erickson being more of a number 10 because it certainly is something that fits his characteristics. And, you know, th- this is a project he, sh- he chose guys. I mean, it's not, it's not as if uh, anyone held a gun to his head and said, you have to pick Inter over Real Madrid or anyone else who wanted him. So uh, I've got to imagine they've gone over a ton of tactical possibilities with him. And, you know, if he's someone who enjoys playing a little bit more high up the pitch than, uh, than the three, five, two would dictate, I think they're going to have to, carve out a role for him in that regard. So uh, it's certainly interesting. Um, And, you know, when you bring up Sandro Tonali, not only is this a player that uh, I tremendously covet, it's one of those things where not only can he help any team he joins, uh, in our case, Inter, but you want to keep him off Juventus at all costs because you're worried about what could happen if he does join Juve with uh, Kulisevsky already going in there uh, next summer, how formidable their midfield could become. It's sort of been the weakness of their squad recently. So uh, these are certainly things that swirl through my mind, but I I, I do get what Mo is saying. It's hard for me right now to go over kind of like the Rain Man big board of all these tactical possibilities when we haven't actually seen Erickson put on the shirt and exactly see what kind of a role he's playing. So I, I think my opinion on this is going to evolve a little bit more over the next four months. That's a, that's a really good question. But, I mean, at the same time, let's remember that Icardi and Lautaro could give Inter um, 200 million euros. That's without Perisic, that's without... João Mario um, and, and 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 a bunch of other uh, players that that could lead into into cashing in up to almost 250 million euros uh, on that, and that is quite a nice little transfer kitty right there. You can uh, you know you can you can buy two world class fullback wing backs on either side that are provably good. You can. You can buy that extra central defender, and if you want to cash in on Godin, or if he accepts to play backup role, you can also, you know what I mean? Like that, you can buy a lot of players for Conte to play with, and that he will enjoy playing with, that fit into his system, if now Conte is the system you want to go, and that's clearly where you want to go. So, um, you know, and Tonali, I think, you know, what, what Tonali would give would give. Uh, Conte would be a kind of different dynamic dynamism to get in dynamic altogether in that midfield because Sensi Brozovic Tonali all can play in that so-called Pirlo uh, regista role. Sensi and Tonali can also play as a mezzala. Barella can also play. You know what I mean? It gives you so many choices. And Christian Eriksen as, as that number ten, um, you, you know, it gives it gives him a lot of. It gives him a lot of. Um, he can play three five one two, three five one one. In some cases, you know, you could even buy someone like Federico Chiesa and play three four three. You know, so it, it just it opens up a lot of doors. Oh my God, <laughs> Nima! I knew you were enough gonna, already. I know you were going to enough of that. 
<laughs> no, buying Keza and there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> no, but, <laughs> no, but seriously, I mean, Federico, it, it gives him a lot of options. I mean, I love Lautaro and I hope that they play, you know, because I think Lautaro is the next superstar in football and I hope that he turns us into a superstar at Inter because together with Lukaku, they... They they just you know God what what are they doing I mean you know it, it's unbelievable but at the same time I mean I as you said Alex there's nothing Inter can do about it unless Lautaro signs a contract extension removing that clause and it doesn't seem like he's willing to do that so um, I I don't know but but I mean before we get to that uh, what do we expect I mean so so you're saying so Mo thinks you if I mis- got you correctly three four one two with Eriksen as a number ten Barella and Brozovic behind him. Um, I, I'm I'm thinking some I'm thinking that will be the most logical choice given that Stefano Sensi is our Ming vase. He breaks at everything, but but I, I also I wouldn't put it a, a, a past Conte to play a three-five-one-one to play all three of them, and then you know some games plays uh, Brozovic, Sensi, Barella, and Eriksen in front of be uh, behind a uh, what's his what's his name uh, Lukaku. We'll see we'll see. It's definitely interesting, and it gives something Conte he's not had. Options, and that's what's the most important thing. When well, you... and you also wonder if if there could be the time to experiment with that over the next couple of weeks, since Lataro is going to be suspended through the uh, through the derby. So uh, you know, and you exactly. obviously you still have Sanchez available, uh, certainly. But you know, if there's ever a time to experiment, maybe do it when you don't have your top strike partnership. Exactly, exactly, and and Alexi Sanchez, you know. I think we can easily say that he's not panned out the way people would have hoped. And him returning to Manchester United the way Ole Gunnar Solskjaer boasted about it uh, today or yesterday, it didn't exactly... Well, it didn't make me depressed, if we put it that way. Um, I I think I am perfectly okay with Alexis Sanchez returning to the Premier League and playing with and playing for United, especially given the absurd amount of wages that he commands right now. Um, so, so I think, yeah, sure. I mean, by you know, you got then you've got Olivier Giroud, who's apparently going to come in uh, because you know this is Conte. He wants his players, and he wants Giroud. He needs a backup to Lukaku, and I, I say fine, you know. Have at it, Oz. You know, it's he's he's done it so well so far. Let him have what he wants. I we, this, this is one of the biggest things that Mo and me and everyone on this pod have been critical of Inter have been that if you're going to bring in a coach, back him all the way. Don't do it half-assed. Um, and, and now they're doing it all the way, and it's pretty interesting to see. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, th- this is pretty fascinating. Um, I'm going to ask you guys a trick question. Like, how many Danes, like, which before him have played for inter-competitive games? Players, male players. Uh, and how many are in, in the Serie A only? Um, Mo, do you have any idea? I mean, I uh, I remember uh, Helvig, but uh, uh, otherwise I'm uh, I'm was, going uh, max. Was uh, Jens Odgaard, was he, is he no. Danish? He's Danish, but he never played for the for the. Oh right! And I think even if he did, it was like one of these uh, preseason games. So I don't. That yeah. Matter. Well, um, it's he. If he plays in the Serie A, when he plays in the Serie A, he will be the third Dane after Thomas Helvig and Harald Nielsen, who played in the fifties and sixties or something uh, like that. And he'll yeah, be the, Harald. Yeah, and and he'll be and he'll be the fourth overall because remember Patrick Olsen, uh, the youth. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah, Patrick Olsen. He'll be the fourth Dane after Patrick Olsen, who was supposed to be the best thing since Bread King Slice and now plays in the Dutch League. Um, So, so, uh, no, he'll be the fourth Dane. Um, Usually in the past, the uh, Denmark has been uh, has been quite often for for is a country that AC Milan have have signed quite a few players from. Um, yeah. But yeah, well, you know, you have quite a few. You have uh, Thomasen, Brian Laudrup, and I and I can name a couple of more. There was loads when I was looking when I was researching this. I was uh, there was quite a few players actually that played for Milan. Um, but no, the fourth Dane to play an official game for Inter and the third to play in the Serie A. So we'll see. Uh, hopefully he'll be more successful than all of them before because Patrick Olsen was barely a parenthesis in Inter's history and Thomas Helwig was far from a success. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll see where that goes. Right, um, let's uh, uh, move on uh, to uh, discussing um, the, uh, the, the Udinese game and, and also a little bit touch on the, on the Cagliari game. 
that that Mo alluded to in the beginning of the show that kind of pissed everybody off, <laughs> for better lack of words. And of course, Raja Nainggolan got his revenge. And you, it was written in the stars, wasn't it? I mean, it was, and and, and also, I, I don't. It was also written in my preview. Let me just say. Yes, it was. I, I know it was. I was reading it, um, and and it did say that he was going to score, and he was close to scoring in the Coppa Italia. And I knew that when Inter completely mopped the floor with them in the Coppa Italia, that they were going to they were going to come back a late a week later and causing Inter problems in the city. Ah, um, but um, yeah, no, uh, we're. Um, where are I mean, what did you what did you think about that thing? I mean, to me, we have to talk about the referee because it was the worst refereeing performance. I'm not blaming the referee for Inter not winning, but it was the worst refereeing performance I have seen for a very long time this season, without a doubt. Um, what, what do you what do you think, Mo? Yeah, I mean, when I had read a report, uh, I, I didn't know this before, but when I was researching the referees for the preview, I didn't know that he was the referee who de- who did the the Parma game last year when uh, Di Marco scored that, and that handball wasn't uh, counted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, I mean, uh, clearly it's uh, it's garbage. Um, uh, it's it's not as bad as Aviso last year with the Fiorentina game and the the, the penalty against uh, D'Ambrosio. But um, and and like he rightly noted, we didn't lose because of refereeing errors. It was just a atrocious uh, standard of refereeing. The guy's just a numpty. You know, he 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 should be allowed nowhere near uh, a city, yeah, a top a top level European uh, top flight European competition. Um, but um, yeah, no, I, I I agree. I agree. Like there's there's nothing. There's nothing much more to say than uh, it, it really was an abysmal performance, uh, and uh, yeah, that's uh, that's about that. Right, um, Alex, um, what do you um, what, what do you say about that? Because I mean, I remember. I mean, to me, let's let's remember that the reason why Antonio Conte didn't speak after the game was because he had he was so angry at the end of the game that he flew into a rage that his heart skipped a beat literally and he needed to go to the hospital or something like yeah. that's that's anger that's rage well and you remember preseason when conte said no more pazze inter well i mean pazze inter is still it's causing his heart now to literally race uh as far as the the officiating goes the refereeing um yeah listen uh Inter still should have won the match despite the horrific officiating. Uh, but if the officiating hadn't been so horrific, they probably would have won that match anyway. But the fact that they played poorly, it it takes some of the sting out of the officiating because I still, at the end of the day, Inter need only look at the mirror uh, with the missed opportunities and the poor play in that match. Uh, as you said at Nima and, and Mo, most predictable thing ever was Rajan Angalan, although it was a little bit aided by a Bastoni deflection, him scoring that goal was uh, completely written in the stars before that match. As far as, you know, maybe looking for a positive, it was nice to see Ashley Young have some impact. You know, I don't know at the tender age of 85 uh, how sustained that impact is going to be, but to have <laughs> uh, a nice assist to the Lataro header to what what should have been a drawn penalty, which could again it could have been the game winning goal, uh, you know that was not awarded. He did I, I thought rightfully earn uh, what should have been a penalty kick. So he did have some impact on the match. Um, you know it was interesting watching Stefano Sensi in that game. It was not a good performance from him, but he did make some really good runs. Like he had a, an opportunity uh, in the first half with a flick from Lukaku, and he essentially if he had you know, not missed his first touch terribly, would have been one-on-one with the keeper, which should have been a goal, but he botched the touch. It ended up being put out for a corner kick. So it's it's obvious with Sensi that he's getting there, like he's slowly getting back to his form, you know, pre-injury back in October, but there's still just a couple things missing from him, especially in the final third. Um, I, I was happy to see uh, Grandpa Borja play, play okay. I mean, um, you know, obviously, this is not a, a world-class option at midfield. It's why Inter is going out and bringing in the likes of Christian Eriksen. But you know, I, I know that uh, Nima, you're very much, uh, uh, very much on top of giving credit to Borja, and I completely agree with you. This is a guy I don't think is appreciated enough as a squad player. He's always a good soldier. Always goes out there at you know, 34 years old, 35 years old, and provides some pretty meaningful uh, moments for Inter. So certainly not, not a match. I. I come away feeling good about, but maybe there were a few a few individual performances I, I can tip my cap to. And 
you know, um, and obviously if you look at the Serie A weekend as a whole, it was not a catastrophe because Lazio dropped points. They probably should have dropped all the points because I thought Roma outplayed them in the in the derby. And then Juventus went out there and 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 fall uh, three, uh, two to one in Naples. So uh, Inter did not lose any ground compared to Lazio. They actually gained a point on Juventus. So that's the silver lining after a tough match. For sure, uh, it is. Um, and we uh, Inter uh, now go to another difficult game, and the the games all all in February because let's remember we have a derby. Coming up after this, it's Udinese. Um, it's Udinese away, um, and and that's always tricky. Uh, so um, I mean, but I do think that Eriksson will play, and I think with Lautaro away, um, this is this is this is it. You know, this is this is this is Inter's chance to prove that they mean business uh, because I think that they will need to start winning again now if they are to have a serious chance of pushing Juventus all the way to the title. Uh, to, for a title challenge. Ooh, what are your thoughts going into this, Mo? What's the most important thing you want to see? I want to see... Uh, first of all, I want answers uh, from Pinktus. I think uh, the fact that uh, our, our draws have all come uh, after somewhat bright first-half performances and then a, a clear physical drop-off in the second half and uh, goals conceded between the 75th and the 80th minute... It's, it's just a testament to the, physical, the poor physical condition that the players are in. So um, I, I'd like to see, uh, uh, you know, it's unfortunate that we have the Fiorentina match, the Coppa Italia match midweek, and it's a match of some, some importance to the team because clearly uh, Inter want uh, the Coppa as well. But uh, I, I, I would like to see a team that can sustain um, a more than nominal uh, level of physical output for the entire 90 minutes. That's really what I'm looking for. And if that means uh, rotation in, in, in critical positions, so be it. But uh, I, I, need, uh, I need to see that. I need to see this, the same level of intensity. And it's, it's funny because prior or post the, the Lecce game and prior to the Cagliari game, Conte had, had clearly come out and said that, that this is a pretty mediocre team if we're not able to play with a high level of intensity for the entire 90 minutes. And lo and behold, we see that exactly unfolding. The minute they take the foot off the their foot off the gas, goals goals get uh, conceded, and it's not like they like they they know better. Of course, they know better. They know they know what they need to do. It's just the physical conditioning is no longer there. So, Pinktus did a wonder job with uh, all the all the players in the beginning of the season. Candreva in particular, uh, you know, with the weight drop and uh, running up and down the field uh, uh, on flank. Uh, like an 18-year-old. Uh, so whatever he was doing back then, I'd like to see more of now. And, and, and that's, that's really what I'll be looking out for the most. Mm, that's, that's a good shout. Alex, what about you? You know, I thought Mo hit it on the head. I don't have a whole lot to add to that. Uh, you certainly want to see intensity for the full 90 minutes. Uh, we've seen too many lapses in recent weeks. Um, and I think the big thing for me as I look at this, the clash with Udinese, to me, uh, with no dis- no disrespect to them, uh, it's obvious Inter have the quality that they don't. I think it's just more about seeing Inter need to put it together, and I think a big part of that is they've not been clinical enough in finishing their chances. I mean, how many how many of these one one draws can we look back and say, wow, well they hit the woodwork, you know, two three times in the game, or there was that run we made where they were a half yard off sides before scoring a goal that was called back um you know I, I think maybe part of these missed chances could just be you know the bounces don't always go your way like there are some games where you score four goals when you probably shouldn't have that many others where you're you're limited to one goal where you should have had more so whether it just needs uh whether it requires just a little bit more luck or it just requires a little bit more of a killer instinct attacking i, I think part of that is i go back to what I recalled about uh, Stefano Sensi having an unbelievable scoring chance where he just botched the touch and, and really should have had a, a relatively easy goal to finish it. Uh, you need to see them finish the chances. Uh, I'd like to see at least two goals against Udinese, and I, I know we have the quality to do that. It's just about putting it together. For sure, and and Udinese play, I mean, they have had some great form. They have, they have a few players who I really like. Uh, it's not the pole. It's Mandragora. I absolutely love Mandragora. I think I've, I remember him when he played for 
uh, not Catania, co- no, what are they called? Are they relegated? Walter Zenga coached them and drew against Lazio that year when we got to the Champions League at first year. Under Crotone. Spalletti. Thank you. That's the name I'm looking for. He played. He, he played there for Crotone, and he did. He played really, really well for Crotone. Um, and and then he went to Udinese, where he struggled a little bit. But this season, I think he's been one of those that you know that has been one of the best. Um, and 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 I think that that's a midfield battle that I think Inter need to need to watch out for. And then obviously Rodrigo de Paul, who always scores, and Kevin Lasagna, the Inter fan, who joins a long list, the brotherhood of Inter fans who have played against Inter and scored. Um, so so we all, he always does well against Inter. So I think Inter need to watch out. Uh, this is not a difficult game. This is a very difficult game. Uh, and if we are to predict, I'm sorry, guys, I'm thinking a draw here. I'm thinking 1-1. Uh, Mo, what about you? I think uh, we can't have any more draws. I think uh, January 1st uh, uh, broken. Uh, I think... Uh, or will it be? Uh, will it still be January? Will it be the thirty-first? I can't remember. No, January curse bro- broken, and uh, I, I think finally uh, uh, we're going to get a, a proper, proper uh, uh, Conte-esque performance from the team. And I think uh, Lukaku is going to find the net, and I think it's going to be what uh, Alex predicted—a two-nil or a two-one win. Difficult, ground out, well deserved, and precious for Inter. I hope you're right, Alex. You know, what I'll predict, guys, is maybe this is wishful thinking because I, I would like to see what we haven't seen in the last three Serie A matches, and that's uh, even when you're 1-1 late in the match to find the breakthrough, to find the late winner, you know, Lazio-style, 85th minute on, you know, Matias Vecino is not going to be called up to be the guy to do that this time around. So uh, maybe I see uh, the winner, uh, 2-1 winner coming from the midfield. I'll go with Barella, who had... You know, some chances to score in the first half in the previous game. So I think uh, unlike the previous games where Inter could not find the late winner, the late difference, I think they'll get it this time. Uh, I'm not expecting maybe a, a walk in the park, a cakewalk, anything like that. But I think uh, maybe past minute 80, we'll, we'll finally see the breakthrough. See, when, when you say that Barella is going to score, it, it, it creates this like warm, fuzzy feeling in my stomach. Like, I, I, <laughs> I was, I'm in love with the guy. I've been in love with him since the, the first day he came to Inter, and it was one of the players that I've always wanted. And Barella scoring, that's like, you know, that, that's a really nice Sunday evening to, for me. So I hope you're absolutely right. I hope Barella does score. Um, uh, do we think that uh, Mr. Eriksson will play? I think he will play. Um, I think the question is, does he play from the start or does he come on in the second half? I, I could see him making his uh, his debut in that match as a substitute, but I, I'd be very surprised if he doesn't play. Mm, me too. Also, uh, Mo, do you think he'll play? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I, I agree with Alex. I think that uh, he probably won't start the match, but uh, we'll definitely see some minutes, proper minutes, not just a uh, last 10-minute cameo sort of uh, performance from him. I think maybe the second half or an entirety of the second half, but... He, he, I reckon he'll feature. I think I don't. You see, I agree. I don't, I don't think he'll play against Fiorentina in the Coppa Italia game. Uh, I think he will make his full debut then, uh, and and depends on how much he want he he will play because Milan, the Milan derby, and we are we will be doing a full special Milan derby episode next week. Uh, so uh, we'll, we'll 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 let the people know the plans closer to that. But it's going to be something special. It's going to be exciting. Uh, we're all looking forward to it. I'm dreading it because Ibra against Inter, <laughs> whatever he played for, Juve or Milan, he scores against Inter. And he's galvanized them. Uh, and there's no doubt about it. They're in eighth place and they have a chance to finish in the top six, which is, like Dov said earlier, absolutely insane. Um, right, um, let's move on to the part of the show where we pay tribute, rip the piss out of and criticize someone or something heavily in the world of football, starting with the positivity, which will be presented by Mr. Positivity himself, Mr. Mohamed Nassar. He's, he works a lot, he's intelligent, and he surprises uh, people sometimes with his uh, ideas. Not easy to find one person of this quality. Uh, yeah, so I, I think uh, despite uh, the um, uh, the good feelings, the good vibes uh, that Ericsson has brought to the club, I think uh, the performances of late mean that um, I'm I'm not uh, going to look for uh, for a Marathi within the club. I think this week's Marathi has got to be uh, Mr. Lino Gattuso, 
for finally, uh, <laughs> finally, I love the uh, pettiness. I love the pettiness. I absolutely no, I love mean, the pettiness. Honestly, there's nothing petty there. I, I, I've always had a lot of love for the guy. I think he is absolutely mistreated as a manager by Milan. Um, I, I think that uh, the media have um, slighted him uh, strongly for his start at uh, Napoli, a very toxic environment, and he seems to have to be doing quite well. And for for things to come, for things to finally gel together against Juventus in the week where we needed Juventus to really drop points, couldn't have asked for more. So uh, hats off to uh, Gattuso for uh, uh, leading Napoli to uh, taking all three points against Juve and uh, keeping Inter uh, keeping Inter in the race. And a little shout out for Maurizio Sarri for pissing off Juventus fans by saying the things he did after them having lost the game. <laughs> <laughs> that, I, I enjoyed that. I would be lying if you I didn't say really petty But I mean, like, you really have to be petty to get pissed off at that. The guy was, uh, it was a completely benign, uh, uh, you know, statement. And it was, uh, it was honest. I liked it, you know. I did you it read, too. Yeah. It speaks volumes of the people who got upset by Rather than absolutely, uh, the person, absolutely, absolutely, and I agree with I agree with everything you said. But I knew they were going to get upset, and I enjoyed that. I'm sorry, <laughs> shoot me. <laughs> <laughs> like when as soon I was watching that live, and I saw the way in which he said it, the intonation. It was exactly like you said. There was nothing wrong with it. But I knew people. I know who was going to get upset, and I know why they were going to get upset, and I know exactly what they were going to say. And I'm sorry, I giggled. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, what are you going to do? Right, let's move on to something much more comical. This week's Frog, which will be presented by Mr. Alex Dono. E clamoroso! Autogol di Ranocchia! Well, Nima, clearly you were just looking to your crystal ball because I'll expand on that, but that's my frog. And it's not its not the actual comments themselves from Sarri, but I will read them to you for reference. It was more of the reaction. So after Sarri loses 2-1 to one back in Naples, he was asked, are, are you more, uh, Sky asked him, are you more annoyed for losing in Napoli? His response, honestly, no. I'm happy for the guys I have a connection with forever. He's talking about the Napoli players, his former players. So if I have to lose, then I'm happy for them because I owe them a lot. And guys, I had the same reaction personally. Like, what wrong did he say there? What wrong did he say there? But of course, I enjoyed, <laughs> I so enjoyed the reaction of the Juventini uh, who already, uh, you know, they 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 react so poorly to losing and dropping points because they are so spoiled from, you know, the, the amazing eight-plus-year run that they've been on. And, oh, this guy is not one of us. Get rid of this guy. What a clown. What an idiot. You know, uh, it's only their, their second loss in the entire Serie A campaign. But, you know, to see Juventini just lose their minds off of what was... I thought not only a very benign comment, but I thought a very respectful comment to, you know, players that he has a, a big bond with that he used to coach. But to see people lose their minds over that, I guys, I took a lot of entertainment with that. So I, I guess it's it's <laughs> fitting that that for Mo's Moratti, he went with the winning coach uh, from that match. And I went with a story that, you know, surrounded the the losing coach from that match. So we, we brought it full circle. We sure did. No, I, 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 for all the reasons you said, I thought it was so benign. And I was watching the interview live. There was, like, you have to see it. He does. He, he says it so respectfully. Like, and this is Maurizio Sarri. He's not, you know, he's not exactly known for, for being maybe a Renaissance man when it comes to uh, his temper. He's, he's a kind of a grumpy guy. He said it. Was well, such... and, and you know, Nima, probably a, a big part of the problem uh, could be that. I mean, how many of the people reacting to the comment actually watched it live like you mm. did? Because mm. anytime you just see that quote uh, you know, out of context, not seeing the facial expression, not hearing the intonation in his voice, I, I think it is it is easy to take it out of context. But maybe before losing your damn mind over it, you may <laughs> want to watch the video of it. Yes, yes, that's exactly it. Right, let's move on to something much more negative. This week's Moji, which I'll be presenting myself.
Uh, this week's Moji comes from Spain, and it's again uh, the issue of racism in football and the despicable acts and monkey chants and hurling of racist abuse against uh, Athletic Bilbao's forward Inaki Williams, Inaki Williams, by the Espanol fans who were making monkey noises to him throughout the entire game and when he was uh, when he came off the pitch. You know, this is disgusting. We don't need, you know, this is, don't want this anymore. Don't want to see it, you know. And 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 it's it happens all over Europe, and we have to call it out every time it happens, and and it has to stop. Right, uh, that's all we had time for this week. I'd like to thank uh, Dov Schiavone at Dov Schiavone for those of you who want to follow him on Twitter. I'd like to thank you, Mo. Thank you very much. Always a pleasure being here. And I would just like to note that although Dov Schiavone's beard is glorious, it is only <laughs> the second best beard in uh, the world of Calcio, followed not very closely behind the great Alex Dono himself. Oh, is that true? I didn't I know that, Alex. I appreciate that. Have you been growing a bit? I know you've got like a stub, but I didn't know you had a full-on, full-on. It was uh, up until about a week ago. It was venturing into Tom Hanks in Castaway, four years <laughs> on the island territory. I, I was b- basically uh, under threat of divorce, uh, coerced <laughs> into into trimming it. So it's it, it's a little bit more at like uh, a, a little bit of maybe a little bit longer than Borja Valero length at, at the moment. But it was it was getting to the point where. I was catching leftovers for, for my next meal in the beard. So it was time to, to trim it up a little bit. Well, we're happy that you're not getting a divorce and that your beard is no longer a refrigerator of sorts. Um, so uh, thanks for coming on, Alex. Thank you, guys. It's always a pleasure. And until next week, my name is Nima Tavale wishing you all a good week, uh, three points, and a progression to the semifinals of the Coppa Italia. And sempre e solo, forza Inter.